do this? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's do this, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Drew Lynch, how have things been with you? I can't complain. You know, uh, I'm, 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 in, I'm, I'm intact. I don't know what to say. I never know. What to, I never say anything. I'm not neutered yet, so I'm, I'm living my best life. My T levels are low, but you know, I'll, nothing that a, nothing that a, 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 a supplement can't handle. Um, and uh, you know, uh, living my best life, man. I'm, I'm in the Midwest right now. So, are you back uh, home, Indiana? I am in Indiana. I am. I um, were. I drove from. I drove from Arkansas to Indiana in the middle of the night just to watch the football game with my with my family. It's not often that you get to see them. So I still live out in L.A., but you know, I'm all. I'm all. I'm all over the place. I'm. I'm back to my nomadic lifestyle with. Uh, with touring the fall through the springtime. Is it always a homecoming when you get back home? Like, uh, are the parents always like? Is it always just like, oh my god, just like. You got to tell stories that things you must have seen. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's, it's this thing that's like, it's the same, you know, like it's always the same. I think we kind of, it's kind of like the same bullshit where it's like, you're doing the same stuff all the time, but you're, it, so it's just kind of like the same version of the conversation. Like, you know, when you see comics on the scene, you're like, Hey, how are you? You know, and people are like, good, how are you? And you're like, yeah, it's all right. You know, like, it's it's just, it's kind of all just the same. I just think, you know, comics, I, I think we just, we don't, we don't really bullshit very well. And so it's not that I'm not, not excited to see my family. I am. It's just, you know, I'm not a very, I'm not a very like, well, well I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Like, I'm not that person. So I'm just kind of. You know, I'm 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 happy to just be a be a person and get and, and getting to see them and not talk about you know like work stuff all the time. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, the ongoing narrative of a, a comic is always hustling. So, I mean, to ask yeah. a comic how he's doing, you know how he's doing or how she's doing. Yeah. They're they're hustling. They're grinding. They're they're keeping yeah. at it. Um, that's exactly well, right. Well, that's yeah. That's the kind of the, the whole narrative. You got to keep working at your craft. You got to keep working on what you do. Everybody's a self promotional machine these days. I mean. Yeah. The, the nature of comedy has changed so much, but now it's become so norm that that's that's what you got to do these days. Um, yeah. With you and 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 kind of you, your story's always really resonated with me. We were discussing a little bit before uh, we got on air, like we both met in 2019 uh, in, in Montreal, JFL. Um, so we kind of have a little bit of a remember when, and you know, as we were capping the good times, the good old prosperous year of 2019. But uh, yeah. your story, I remember first watching you on America's Gone Talent and and kind of how, you know, your life has, has flourished since then. And I recently watched your TED Talk, which I didn't even know you did a TED Talk. And I'm like, what? So <laughs> <laughs> I, it's weird because when you see somebody who's not in the like comedians doing a TED Talk, I'm always like, I'm very interesting. And I, I've seen a few and I didn't know you, you did one. And I was kind of researching. I'm like, oh, my God, he's got a TED Talk. Wow, you really know how to hit the nail on the head when it comes to just a. It's telling a story. B. Telling your story. Um, how you connect with a lot of people. I connect with it very well. Uh, being that I uh, I'm a cancer survivor, and I had a very extensive surgery, which kind of took apart my entire throat, and I couldn't speak for a while and learn to 
re-speak uh, uh, and using my language for me in a way. Um, I had a slur. I was, uh, it was an ongoing process. So when you're, you're, you're discussing your past and your history and getting back to where you needed to be right now, how, I mean, as a comic, how empathetic, what's the ratio you put in your head of how empathetic do I need to be and how funny do I need to fucking crush this room right now? Because it's a crazy <laughs> world that I can only imagine your brain lives in. And there's a, a distinct few that I will mark with that same sort of philosophy on life and how to look at it. But how do you process that? Like how, do, how much of a yin and yang do you give when you give a fucking TED talk? Oh man, that's such a great question. Um, first of all, congratulations to you just in well, thank you. speaking as someone who, you know, I mean, just being in the same boat about, you know, first of all, I've never had, never had cancer, but just rehabilitating your speech and, the idea that you you know what it is that you want to say and you know it, the way it is you want to say it, but you but you can't. I I, I sympathize all too well with that that frustration. So uh, hats off to you because you sound great. Um, and to answer your question, uh, I did the TED talk. So the TED talk was really really scary for me, and I think I ended up saying it in the TED talk. I think the reason that it was so scary was sure it's a it's a format that I'm not super familiar with. And I think the first draft of the talk that I wrote was, you know, very much written like a comic. Like you're just like, ah, you got to be, you don't want it to be too uncomfortable with certain silences or, or, or certain yeah. moments where, you know, certain moments where you're like, ah, I need to punch this up the whole time. And then you're working with a producer the whole time whose job is to really try to refine your vision or refine your your message and 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 they've had so much experience working with people knowing what's going to resonate. So the first draft that I submitted was very joke heavy and it didn't have a lot of um it kind of just scratched the surface of of my story and for context the talk I think was was about why curiosity gets you farther than ambition and yeah, like uh and um it, and so the next draft that I submitted I removed so many of the jokes and they're like all right now we're afraid that this is kind of too too like it's not boy it doesn't have enough levity to really still catch the same spirit that this is being delivered and from the experience of a, of a comedian. So to answer the question, I, I think I just, I kind of had to just navigate it from taking these big swings one in one direction and then in the other direction. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, it's interesting because a Ted talks like 15 to 20 minutes usually, or yeah, 15 to 20. And if they told me to write 15 to 20 minutes of jokes, I would, I would have thought it was no problem, but but because it because it involves embellishing, you know your 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 vulnerabilities or your weaknesses, and 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 not having that automated or that autonomic response to handle a silence or 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 combat a silence with a joke, I think was really you know kind of the challenge, just because um, that's always where we that's always the, our instinct. But for me, I had to kind of peel back uh, a lot of those 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 layers or those those instincts that I would use as a comedian to try and address um, the way it really made me feel with 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 my story and how many how many times I've 
I've I've tried to will my way out of my injury where I, I had a I had a brain injury from a softball accident when I was twenty and really using as many um experiences or victories or or destinations to try and fill the void of of really just being um on the journey uh the you know and and and, and that being a much healthier uh approach well i can only assume that even with the ted talk and even in your art form the way you write you wanted to make it sound like you as much as possible i mean and and it's not even for the audience to buy it's for you to buy like you can't just be speaking something because it needs to be said it needs to be coming out of your thought process and the way you want to say it so i i can only assume and and this is another question i always wanted to kind of pick your brain up because you kind of you, you graze the landscape in a lot of frontiers when it comes to the art form of comedy. I mean, you, you're on YouTube, you do sketches, you, you, your standup, you know, uh, is stellar. When you think of funny and, and when you start actually processing a bit in your head, what's the first sort of, where, where does it live first? Is it a sketch? Is it an idea? Are you a visual guy? Do you see it in your head like being played out or do you see it as is needs some more verbiage because I can totally see me, doing this on stage so I, I don't know how you kind um, of create your comedy but oh yeah I think I usually like to write it um I usually write it as a as a script like I I grew up reading a lot of plays not books and mm -hmm. so with plays yeah you're given some stage direction but you're mostly just given the lines and so my favorite comics and my favorite plays, my favorite way to read something is with dialogue, especially if it's if it's ripe with like conflict and all this, like like yeah. you know, ne ne like I, I think about like Neil Simon, Neil LeBute, Martin McDonough, uh, Aaron Sorkin, like a lot of these guys, they just they write dialogue so well. And 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 so I think when I see something I immediately put it in in the in the rubric or the format of it of it of it as like a dialogue and what my role in that dialogue is which is almost always you know frustrated or 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 uncomfortable or fish out of water or curmudgeon like those are all things that that I think come really naturally to me and probably to a lot of other you know comics I think we just I think I think things that 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 don't bother anybody bother us, and then I think the things that people sometimes people don't get, but sometimes things that bother other people don't 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 bother us at all. So I think it's yeah. I think we're just you know we're always just kind of inverted from from the way a lot of other people would process something. You always kind of like to focus on those uh, idiosyncrasies, I guess. Um, for you. Um was like stand up wasn't always the game plan it was acting mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but did it take you a while to find your voice on stage as a stand up because you, as you said curiosity and kind of jumping into this brand new art form of kind of seeing the world through a comedic point of view versus an actor where you can kind of take it in every shape and size and you you can manifest that into your own sort of you know, how the character sees fit. But for you, how long did it take you to find, you know, that 
and I, I don't mean your voice, your voice. I mean like your, your stand-up voice, your comedy voice. Like yeah. this is where I want to live in this art form. How long did that take? Yeah. It definitely took a while and it definitely took me, you know, I did, I, I attempted stand-up about two times before my injury and I wasn't very good at it because, <laughs> you know, my experience came as just a performer on stage and when you're an actor, I mean, yeah, there's some element of truth, but you're kind of, you're kind of just putting on a character or you're playing a character. And that's what I always loved about it is it's like, you're not having to reveal all of yourself. You're just kind of gravitating to whatever all encompasses that thing. And with stand up, I think it's the exact opposite. They, if they, if the audience gets even a whiff of the idea that you're being false or not genuine or that something is not how it actually is, then they don't respond to it. And that took me a long time to have to, well, I mean, that took a, you know, a life changing event, like, you know, an injury that caused me to stutter for over a decade. It made it, it made it really difficult to, um, deal with that. It made it difficult to reckon with the fact and not be angry over the fact that that was what I had to now, um, I couldn't hide from that. I couldn't hide from the fact that that's the way I, that I sounded. So I initially had to, I, I initially had to really just be okay with, um, really, really short jokes and for, for people's attention spans to just keep it as short as possible, recognize that the timing might not be the best, but, always, always just acknowledging what's happening in real time because that's what's honest. And yeah. now, and so it, you know, that took me a few years to really, really get work within like, okay, this is my voice on stage. This is my POV on stage, really. This right. is my comedic voice. And now that I've fully rehabilitated, for the most part, my speech, I have to almost not do the whole process over, but just really think about, you know, like it, it, I have to like redo the whole process of whatever timing I have to apply to my stand up now, knowing that I don't have to as often or as much account for stuttering. So it's just, it's, it, I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the fact that. Um, my speech issue early on really taught me the importance of, um, word economy and the importance of just editing everything down to, uh, the, 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 the bare necessities of what you need to say the joke that you need to say. I mean, you came in at a good time and you consider yourself like a pioneer because Comics with like disabilities are so hot right now. I mean, everybody's, every, oh God, I wish I had something going for me. I mean, as we said, the struggle is the struggle. People try to make it and break it in this industry. So, I mean, yeah, you're like, you're like Rosa Parks for, for everyone else. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I would say I'm exactly like Rosa Parks. Better. Dude, even. you got in at the right time. <laughs> do, um, do you find that, I mean, because you use your humor to kind of combat, I mean, so did I. I and I, you know, if you ever meet my group of friends, they're the worst fucking human beings ever. And they just, 
and they play with you. Yeah. And you just, you begin to make fun of yourself and that's your, your coping mechanism. But now how often do you do it with other people? Or are you that inappropriate guy at parties now? We're just like too soon, Drew, come on. And we're just like, no, I thought that was funny. I think, yeah, I, I, uh, I think now more than ever, I'll take that risk on making fun of, because if I've made fun of myself for forever, I mean, I've made fun of myself and, and, and it's not even like, it's not even like, I think, I think the, I think people's intentions should be clear and people's intentions with what they're trying to say or where they're coming from. Um, is need is is important, especially in today's like climate. Everything is so can be so misconstrued and taken out of context. And I think I think what the only way to combat that is to just be honest with the fact that I'm gonna bust. I'm gonna bust myself. I'm gonna bust someone else. Like no one should be off limits. No one, including yourself. So yeah, I so totally agree. you know, you know, just. Don't nobody should be taking anything that seriously. That life's life's too short. Like the the I mean everything is just too. I think when you've been through, uh, when you've been through it, or you've been through some pivotal moment in your life where you're just like, this is just silly. You know, I think I, I I've heard from other comics that are that they're like they've been canceled for things, and they're just like honestly being canceled is like the best thing that's ever happened to me because <laughs> I realized, I realized that I don't have to like, I don't have to, the, like these comics will say, I don't have to feel like I'm giving a watered down version of the way it is. It's just my job to convey that the things that I'm saying are obviously meant without malice. I'm just being stupid and silly and I'm trying a thing. And if you can't see the innocence of that, um, then, you know, then that's fine. I'm okay with it. But we're now in a place where audience, people online, people who buy tickets, comedy goers, comedy supporters, they get to decide. They get to decide with their ticket and with their subscription, with their view, with with anything. They get to decide who they like and what their intentions are. So, you know, that that's that's really something that i've i've kind of you know i've kind of learned well you're you're coming to toronto uh for just for laughs um your last time you're here was what 20 2020 no 2019 2019 2019 nice what uh what's your thought on toronto as a comedy market let's just say i mean we often have this new york complex that that resides with us so what, what what's yeah. your take on Toronto? Yeah, I actually, you know, I, I've done, I did Toronto. I did a theater there. I did Queen Elizabeth there in 2020, just before the pandemic. So this oh, will nice. be my, this will be my, this will be the third or fourth time that I've been back there. I did the comedy club there before Queen Elizabeth. And I, I honestly, I had a, I had a blast when I was there doing the, doing the Queen Elizabeth. And I think, you know, I'm getting in at a time where it's not going to be balls cold and it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be like super warm. So I think people are kind of starting to get into that fall sort of, sort of like, let's go see a a, a comedy show vibe. Um, I think Toronto is beautiful. I think, you know, the pace that they have there is very like, you know, New York esque. Um, but you know, 
I also I don't know too much about I don't I don't know too much about shit because every time I go there um I'm I'm literally just there I do the sound check and they're like well we're going to open doors and then I do the show and then I got people I got I got the crew telling me and and I got audience members after the show telling me you got to go you got to go to this place you got to go to this place and, and then you never hit the any next of them. day I got yeah never I the next day I got to go to Minnesota or whatever and so I'm just like you know, it's just, it sucks because you, you know, you really have to, you got to put being a person on hold in order to be a comic sometimes. That's why, you know, the advantage of doing a theater is like, oh, it's a theater. You get to be in a venue where there's a lot of people that are excited to see you. But when you get to do a club, you get to be there for a few days and really get like the, the sense of what the place is. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, you know, I will see, we'll see what happens. I, to be honest with you, my favorite parts of Canada are like the smaller, like I like, I like Montreal. I like Ottawa. Um, you know, I, 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 I like Vancouver, Toronto just kind of does have that big city where it's just like, I could, I could, I, I might as well be in America right now. This, this sucks. <laughs> some people, yeah, well, some people actually call this the 51st state. We're so Americanized. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's well, I mean, that's what I see. And no, don't quote me on that. But um, for you, I mean, how, how uh, over the last, I guess, uh, coming out of this whole pandemic and getting back, you know, shop, uh, sharpening the chops again, getting back up on stage and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, recently gears for coming in for JFL, doing the tour. but. One thing I've noticed online, and maybe it's a trend with stand-ups, and maybe it's something that a lot of people tend to like to post because you know, you know, comics, especially the ones starting out, they don't want to burn their material all online and, and give everything up to the social media kind of monstrosity of it all. But how's your crowd work? I mean, that's the one thing if I've noticed so many comics posting is crowd work interaction and all this sort of you know, A, it makes you unique with the audience and you get to kind of like, hey, I'm in your town and we're talking about something that maybe only affects this group of people. But have you kind of stepped it up since that, since the pandemic? And being that, you know, everybody coming out again, like you said, everybody kind of getting in the vibe of, of embracing comedy again is is kind of all wanting to kind of share in something, I guess, that's specifically catered to them. You tend to do a lot of it more now? You know, I don't aim to do it. I, I, the one thing that I never wanted to come across the the one thing I never want to come across in any of the things that I post is that something feels forced or something feels okay, right. like that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, I think, you know, I posted a lot of crowd work clips in 2018 and 2019. I actually ended up talking about it on the, on the Ted talk. Like I was like, I just, I couldn't get a straight clip without people interrupting. So I started to just kind of post those things rather than posting material. And I'm not reinventing the, 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 the wheel. There's been comics who have posted things on, 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 you know, crowd work stuff for years, but I think it really took off as of late, just because I think the algorithm favors the stakes of something like that, you know, a lady, a lady, you know, breaks up with her husband in the middle of the show and a comedian addresses it. You're just like, all right, of course I have to watch that. Even if it's some <laughs> version of that. And I think like what's hard is, you know, you're getting comics who are leaning into that, which could be good, but you're also getting audience members who are finding that to be somewhat the expectation of what a comedy show is. And that 
I disagree with. I think, you know, you don't want to lose the art form of what stand-up is. I mean, and we don't necessarily need to define it. We don't need to be like, stand-up is a person going on stage and making jokes about something they wrote beforehand. Like, it doesn't need to be that. But at the same time, we don't need to, like, we don't need to try and fish so much in the where 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 that becomes the bulk of what's happening during shows. So I think that like if that's your if that's if that's what's getting people to buy tickets, which oftentimes that is because people are seeing it in their feeds, then if you've never been made aware of what an actual comedy show experience is, it should almost it should always be at the discretion of the performer, you know. But what happens is is audience members they show up and they are like they're belligerent or they're vocal or they're there with the intention to try and get on camera or to try and make it and then and then it's just a monster that just kind of keeps feeding and eating itself um that i think you know it it, like i really just think a lot of from what i've talked to a lot of comics about and a lot of audience about is they really want to just hear like just stand up again, like just jokes again, like just like hearing like what what one person has. So yeah, it's it's an important thing to have within your wheelhouse, uh, crowd work. But if a whole show, you know, I, I'll have I'll have audience who will come talk to me and they'll say we saw uh, this comedian who who did who did who had the whole show kind of as interactive. And the the whole show kind of went off the rails. And then what happens is is that becomes the new norm for what somebody thinks the stand-up comedy show experience is and what the standard is for their expectations. So you know, it's just I think it's just a balance. I've I've I can totally appreciate it. It's very well said. I there's a comic here in Toronto, I don't want to name names, but a more elder statesman, if you will, who doesn't even do material. Who just strictly focuses on crowd work. That's he's more, I guess you would call a reaction comic. Like you say something, something happens, or let's drop a bomb here. Let's 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 drop the question and then then let's discuss. It's like it's a it's a a group project or something, and everybody kind of gets involved. And it's a lot of the hey, where you're from, what are you celebrating? Blah, 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 blah. And, I, and it gets a little, I can totally understand that. It gets a little too much of what can I do to be a part of this? What can I do to be a part of this? And then it, People are like, who's that comic we saw again last night? And they don't even remember the guy's name. But a lot of people, I don't know. Do you think, I mean, writing in itself is the art form. Performing is another way to look at it. But do you think people are getting lazy at one end or the other uh, with a lot of comics? I mean, I think it's just, I I don't know that it's a matter of laziness. I think it's a matter of supply and demand. I think the the algorithm, like I said, favored the stakes. And then Mm. comics just started to pivot their or their their focus towards that and you know if you think about your favorite comedians and i think about my favorite comedians we're probably going to have some overlap because we like to hear what that person's take on a specific thing i didn't come i didn't come to a comedy show to hear other people i could do that anywhere i i I came to a comedy show to hear that person on stage say their thing and if on the off chance something happens during the show that that makes it feel like a live component, those that's always exciting too. I love when comics can be interactive and 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 things like that. But if the whole show is like a 
you know, where you're, where you're, where you're kind of getting away from feeling like you're, you're there to just watch the, the, the person that you paid to see, then what are we doing? You know? No, I hear you. I totally hear you. Uh, does Drew Lynch have a bucket list? <laughs> That's a great question. I do. I, my wife and I, we try to go to what we want. So we're, we're, uh, Indianapolis Colts fans with me growing up here in Indy. And, uh, so my wife loves football. I love football. So what we try to do is go see we're, by the end of our, uh, life, we're going to try to see, um, the Colts in all the different stadiums. So, you know, oh. we've been, yeah. So that's kind of like a shared sort of, sort of bucket list item. Now your wife's and a then, Colts fan too? What are the odds on yeah. that? I know. Or not, she became not, a Colts fan because you're she a She became fan. a Colts fan because, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But she's, yeah, I, she's into it, man. She's into it. She's actually, she's actually on a walk with, uh, with somebody from the Colts organization right now. She was like, Hey, I'm going on the walk with this person. I was like, all right, well, and you know, enjoy your life. I'll be here with Vince, think, boy. Uh, what do you think your Colts have a chance at? I mean, they got, they got a promising future. Oh. I'll tell them that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know what this season has to, to offer. There's a lot of questions with our running back and yeah. our, our, our rookie quarterback looks phenomenal. Our defense yeah, looks phenomenal. Um, I think, uh, it, you really just start to see what you are week five or six, you know, the first two weeks can be an anomaly. Who do do you follow football? Who's your team? I'm a diehard and don't, don't rub into me too hard, but I'm a diehard Bengals fan. Oh, I'm not going to rub into you too hard at all. They're a great organization to root for. Yeah, but we've been I shit mean, for like 20 years, Drew. Come on. I mean, at least yeah, you got a couple of Super Bowls in you. We've been, but them, we just can't win them. That's, but that's what I'm saying is like, you know, I, I'll never shit on a Bengals or a Bills fan or, I mean, even what happened with the Jets recently, like, you know, it's the way, it's the way these certain fans carry themselves. You know what I mean? Like you talk to a Patriots fan, you're like, go fuck yourself. Like, what are you talking about? Like the arrogance, like I have a, I have a buddy, you know, Akeem's a Cowboys fan. I'm like, what are you doing? You, who are you? What you're, you grew up in New York and you, you were born in New York and you lived in Canada. You don't get to pick the Cowboys. So, yeah, well, what about, you know, the Cowboys, just, the Steelers and the Patriots have the three largest fan bases worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've never ran into a Pittsburgh Steelers fan that I, that I didn't like, but I got to say the way that the, the way that, uh, a, a, a fan base kind of carries themselves, I mean, tells you a lot about, you know, the team and a lot about their organization, a lot about how they are. And like, I get along with, I get along with Broncos fans. I get, I mean, I get, I get along with Texans fans for shit's sake. And we're in the same division, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So it's just, you know, uh, I think that that's kind of cool knowing that, you know, my wife and I are going to get to visit all these different stadiums and we get to kind of get the culture. Like, well, you know, we went to visit the Buffalo Bill stadium two years ago, the year that, I think we we beat them by we boy we beat them like forty five to thirteen or something ridiculous, and people were really really nice to us before the game, and they were nice to us after the game. Like it, it was a it was a it was a welcomed experience, and I think that's because you know like the Bills have been through it, the Bengals have been through it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be some I'm not going to be someone who's I, I would you know we've had a quarterback carousel for the past seven years, but I don't throw a pity party for it because there's been fan bases that have literally 
had had their chance at at at, at success over and over, and then it, it gets it gets wiped from under them somehow. So I'm not, you know, I I, I just so long as everybody has a good sort of sense of where you know anything can go shit at any moment and no one's full of themselves yeah, that's to what i love Jets. about a fan base yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. when aaron so, Rodgers went down how fast did you start making jokes on that <laughs> oh i'm not that person i'm really not i know comics <laughs> want to like i know comics want to and your brain wants to go there but I just feel for the Jets organization. You know, you fought, if you followed them during hard knocks and you yeah. and you know what, what they had to give up financially to I mean and Robert Sala's face said it all right when it happened. I mean, and you start looking at your your you, they, you just I don't know. You would you would you would have wanted it to get farther than five plays before, you know no, before your it your veterans. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's what I'm saying. You wanted at least more than you know, the 11 minute mark, but uh, uh, yeah, that was just, that was, that was fucking brutal. And I've, I've always found that I, I, like, I have a tough time being that comedian who makes fun of like, it, like I'm never the guy who's like, like when the Lizzo thing came out and when like, if something about Taylor Swift, like I want to make sure the joke I'm making is still like not too, doesn't have too much teeth with it, you know, because right. there's yeah. still people at the end of the day. You know, and I, and a huge part of me is just like God to to rupture or tear your Achilles, I, I, and know that that's a nine. It's like an eight month to nine month rehab, and everything that the Jets put on the like the line. And gosh, it just that just that just bums me out. You know, um, is there a dream gig for Drew Lynch? Yeah, actually, you know, as far as like, I I think it would be really cool to just have like you think about how seinfeld is like a huge fan of sebastian you know what i mean like oh, seinfeld yeah, okay. is like a, seinfeld's like i'm gonna go to sebastian's tapings and you and and arguably seinfeld for the longest time there people were like that's the biggest and probably one of the best comedians ever he's he's in he's right. in the comedy hall of fame you know so i think to be able to be like Here's a here's a respected comedian that respects my grind or respects my POV or even not a comedian even if it's DJ Khaled or somebody crazy you know I'm not even <laughs> whatever someone I just want like I want I want I want a friendship with someone in a different industry where it's like like I want like ta- like tabloids of me and like Serena Williams or something weird where it's just like how are they getting smoothies like just something where where someone standing next to me is like like comedically people are like why is you know what i mean like why are they why is why is michael buble going to the same laundromat as you know yeah. whatever i that's you know that's the kind of that's my dream just for the just for the sheer i you know like the irony or just the it's not even irony just to look how to see how i want i just want i just want a friendship with another celebrity where it just doesn't make sense, where it puzzles people and it, and it, and it, and a it, curiosity it, it, connection. It, it, yeah. And people are <laughs> frustrated by it and it, and it, sh- it, it resurfaces every now and then. And people are like, I don't get this. And we just never address it. That's what I want. <laughs> uh, before I wrap things up with you, I, a little birdie, and I think you know who told me that you love the Mary fuck kill games. <laughs> Why? Yeah, we've been, or, it, or is he shitting me? No, he's not. He's not. We've been put, we've been sending it. We we've been sending it back and forth to each other. We we do fuck Mary kill with, but not with, but not not in. We do it with like 
dinner, lunch, and breakfast kind of thing. Like we do it like with that. We don't do it with like women. We do it with like we do it with like all right, Disney villains. You know what I mean? <laughs> fuck Mary Kill. He'd be like, all right, I would fuck the shit out of Scar from Lion King. You know, I'd kill Ursula because that bitch wants to take my voice. And then, you know, I'd marry, I'd marry Maleficent or what, you know, or I'd marry Hades because he has access to the underworld, you know, whatever. That's, we play that kind of game, me and my buddy Akeem. So, you know, the latest one we did was, I think, Fuck, Mary Kill. Uh, he, he dropped a, he dropped a, he dropped a, like a, a mind bender on me for this one. He said, he said, Fuck, Mary Kill, uh, uh, Los Angeles, Vegas. Indianapolis because those are all places I've lived in my life oh and, like I I was born in Indy I lived here till I was nine then I lived in Vegas till I was 18 and then I live in LA now and he said fuck Mary kill those three cities and I told him he he could go fuck himself like <laughs> we're, we're not friends anymore you don't you don't pin my self against myself you piece of shit so, uh, yeah, I don't talk to that guy anymore. I'll, I'll fuck, marry, and kill him in that order. Uh, uh, okay, quickly, uh, I want to, this is kind of my version of fuck, marry, kill, but it's not. Um, kind of a rapid-fire questions. I shoot them out to you. One word answer. They never do because usually someone's answer will be like, what? And then that goes off another topic. But here we go. A random rundown of questions. Favorite comic growing up? Uh, Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, nice. Favorite comic today? Mm, Bargatze. Nice. Oh, okay. You like the storytellers. Uh, your favorite kind of comedy movie? Adam Sandler, 90s. Any one of the Sandler's movies? He's got quite the catalog. Pretty much. He really does. Uh, best club to perform at? Comedy Works, Denver. A lot of people say that. That's got to be on my bucket list. Your favorite set to date, yours. Does one kind of stick out in your head? <laughs> Hell no. You don't remember your victories? Oh, I, I don't know. I, like, I, I crushed it that night. Or, hey, that was a really good one. Or I have, I have battled with imposter syndrome for forever. And so anybody who knows me knows I've never really gotten off stage. Been like, man, that was, you know, I usually am just like, eh, it was fun. Or we had a good time. But I, 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 there's not really one that sticks out. Uh, best traveling buddy, someone to have on the road with my wife. She's fun. Oh, look at you. Quite the romantic. Yeah. Uh, best greasy spoon you've ever eaten at or somewhere across middle America. I don't know. Or, or a meal. Does a meal stick out in your head Ooh, when damn. you're on the road? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a place I go with with my buddy, Justin Foster. It's called snooze cafe. They've got a few of them. Like they've got one in like Phoenix, Arizona, Denver, Colorado. They have one in, in LA. They do. They do some pretty bomb ass gluten free pancakes. I'm a gluten free. I'm a gluten free, you know, guy. So I gotta find the where I can find, and they 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 tear it up with that. Uh, if you were to have a franchise restaurant, fast food joint, in your house instead of your kitchen, what would it be? Oh, Panda Express. Really, Panda Express. I love Panda Express. Dude. We're learning a lot. Orange chicken every day, all day. A comic that's coming up right now that people should look out for. Uh, Akeem. Akeem Hoy Charles. Look at mm -hmm. that, eh? Akeem Hoy Charles, he's, baby. He, he's everywhere. Like, keep scrolling. Yeah. You'll, you'll fucking see him. Uh, yep. And uh, kind of how I want to end it off with 
the best advice you ever got in this industry? Uh, be kind to everybody. Be kind to everybody. And was that Ellen? Um, Did she tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it sounds silly, but you know, just yeah, be you know, be be kind, and you know, uh, you just you like we're it, it kind of goes without saying, but don't 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 let bitterness be the thing that kind of you know there's things that there's literally someone told me there's two things that can pretty much kill a you know a, a, a career two or three things and one of them is um you know substances of or some kind of vice that can tear that can tear a comedian apart and then another one is you know bitterness and 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 to just kind of stay stay positive stay they like kind to other people always, you know, uplift other people. And it sounds hokey, but at the end of the day, uh, you're going to end up seeing these people. This, this is where you work, you know? So, yeah. so yeah, there's, there's, we're, we're all different. There's all, there's plenty of, there's plenty of pie for everybody. Um, but yeah, I would say just be kind. That's awesome. buddy. I listen, I love your outlook on kind of your life and life in general. I love your outlook on the industry. I wish you nothing but success. Um, you're coming to the 51st state, as we mentioned, good old Toronto, mm-hmm. Canada. Uh, as part of the Just for Laughs tour, uh, you'll be at the Winter Garden Theater. Oh, you're at the Winter Garden Theater. You're going to have the nice little, uh, there's actually a garden that they have on the ceiling. Good, good. It's, it's good. very uh, 1960s Batman where everything kind of looks upside down. And it's kinda, <laughs> that was a oh, weird sick. reference, but whatever. Uh, keep crushing it, buddy. Thank you so much for your time. But uh, Drew Lynch, everybody, catch him as a part of JFL or on the road or at an Indianapolis Colts game near you. What's the next stop? Hey, where, where are they playing next week? Where are they playing Baltimore. Next week? Baltimore. Oh. My wife and I will be at that game. Yeah. Very cool, brother. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time, brother. And we'll chat Thank again you, down buddy. the road. Appreciate it, buddy. That has been another edition of the Usually Comedy Podcast. My thanks to Drew Lynch. Thank you for stopping by. He was at Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. Catch him on a tour near you or, like I said, at an Indianapolis Colts game. Please like, follow, share, and give us a five-star review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I'm your host, Vince Tedesco. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the You Should Do Comedy Podcast. (laughs) 